Welcome to Kuhau Podcast. We thank you for tuning in. If this is your first time listening in with us, we want you to know that you are a part of a new loving family. Wherever you're joining us from, we hope that this message encourages you and transforms your life. Now stay tuned for today's message. John chapter 11. We're going to begin reading from verse 1. I am so excited. And it says, Now a certain man was sick. Lazarus. No, brother, hook me up, bro. Hook me up. Yeah. Sounded so good. Sounded real good. Now a certain man was sick, Lazarus of Bethany, the town of Mary. Doesn't that sound so much better? Come on, you know what I mean? <laughs> it was that Mary who anointed the Lord with fragrant oil and whipped and wiped his feet with her hair, whose brother Lazarus was sick. Therefore the sisters sent to him, saying, Lord, behold, he whom you love is sick. Verse 4, when Jesus heard that he said, this sickness is not unto death, but for the glory of God, that the Son of God may be glorified through it. Now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. So when he heard that he was sick, he stayed two more days in the place where he was. Then after this, he said to the disciples, let us go to Judea again. The disciples said to him, Rabbi, lately the Jews sought to stone you. And are you going there again? Jesus answered, are there not 12 hours in the day? If anyone walks in the day, he does not stumble because he sees the light of this world. But if one walks in the night, he stumbles because the light is not in him. These things he said, and after that, he said to them, our friend Lazarus sleeps, but I go that I may wake him up. Then his disciples said, Lord, if he sleeps, he will get well. Totally missed the point right there. <laughs> you don't get it, buddy. Then his disciples said, Lord, if he sleeps, he will get well. Verse 13, however, Jesus spoke of his death, but they thought that he was speaking about taking rest in sleep. Then Jesus said to them plainly, Lazarus is dead, and I am glad for your sakes that I was not there, that you may believe. Nevertheless, let us go to him. And then Thomas, who is called the twin, said to his fellow disciples, let us also go that we might die with him. <laughs> so when Jesus came, he found that he had already been in the tomb four days. Someone shout four days. Now, Bethany was near Jerusalem, about two miles away, and many of the Jews had joined the women around Martha and Mary to comfort them concerning their brother. Now, Martha, as soon as she heard that Jesus was coming, went and met him. But Mary was sitting in the house. And now Mary said to Jesus, Lord, you had been here, my brother would not have died. But even now, I know that whatever you ask God, God will give you. And Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Martha said to him, I know. I know that he will rise again in the resurrection at the last day. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me 
Though he may die, he shall live. Amen. I want to speak to you on this Easter Sunday, on this, me- on this message, resurrection power. Can we bow our heads and close our eyes for a second? Dear Jesus, we, we are so grateful that we get to be in these moments with you, God, where you speak to our lives. We're not here simply, God, to just hear another message and kind of check that item off of our to-do list. We did Easter Sunday. No, God, but we come here because in here we find life. In your presence, we find life. In your presence, we find everything that we need. And so we pray that this word, God, may be much, much more than something that we receive as information but that this may be a word of heart transformation. So that's what we ask for you to speak to today. Not necessarily our situations and our circumstances, God, but would you speak to our heart in this day, God? And I thank you, God, that I get to pastor the most amazing church on the planet. Uh, I get to be the father of some pretty, pretty awesome children. And I'm married to the hottest, most anointed woman on the planet, Lisa Remedios. I love you. Happy Resurrection Sunday. And God's people shout. Amen, amen and amen. Uh, can you give me a little bit more monitor, Mike? Uh, I want to ask you this, this uh, awesome question. Does anybody have a BFF? We got lonely. All right. We got lonely people in the house. <laughs> no BFFs. Okay. Have you ever had a BFF? Please tell me yes. Please just say yes. Yes. There we go. Uh, you know what? You know what I mean. Like you having a BFF. What is a BFF? A BFF is a best friend for life. I love when my eight-year-old tells me a BFF. I'm like, girl, she's gonna be like your BF through kindergarten and through the first grade or through the second grade, and then she's gonna steal your boyfriend. And <laughs> you better not have no boyfriend at third grade. You better not, right? Like, but but this is the person that you can kind of let your hair down with. This is the person that. Uh, that the moment you walk into the room, they, they know something is wrong with you. This is the person that, for some reason, you think that you guys are identical twi- tw- twins, right? You guys think you look exactly alike, even though you don't, right? But they're your twinsies all day, selfie, let's go, right? This is your BFF. I'm talking about BFF, best friends for life. This is the kind of person that your family has adopted into their family. They're like your lost, long cousin because they're over your house all the time and you can't get rid of them. This is your BFF. I'm talking about best friends for life. I'm talking about you were raised with them. You're now, they're now the godparents of your kids. I'm talking about dynamic duos. Do you got any dynamic duos? Like this is your ride or die. This is your best friend. I'm talking about dynamic duos uh, like Will Smith and DJ Jazzy Jeff from Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. I'm talking about dynamic duos like Zach Morris and Screech from Saved by the Bell. I'm talking about dynamic duos like Kevin Arnold and Paul Fisher from The Wonder Years. You know what I'm talking about? I'm talking about dynamic duos like Corey Matthews, a.k.a. my twin, and Sean Hunter 
from Boy Meets World. I'm talking about dynamic duels like Fred Flintstone and Barney Rebel. I'm talking about dynamic duels like Lucy and Ethel from I Love Lucy. I'm talking about dynamic duels like Bert and Ernie from Sesame Street. I'm talking about BFFs in this house. BFFs. Best friends for life. These are my BFFs. Now let me ask you this question. Have you ever been disappointed by your best friend? Oh. Oh, my goodness. Like I'm talking about like when you really, really needed them. There was someone like they've been there all your life, but there was this one time you absolutely, absolutely needed your BFF. You needed your best friend, and they absolutely did something that you did not see coming. They did something that, nah, 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 no, 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 hold on, not my best friend. That ever happened to you? I remember Sal Sanudo. That was my BFF. Now, men don't call each other BFF, so don't judge me. But just for the point of the illustration, my best friend, Sal Sanudo, if you're watching, I forgive you and I love you. Your sins are forgiven on this Resurrection Sunday. But I was about maybe 12 years old, and I had my best friend. I was a Hispanic, he was Italian, and you know, we got along, and, and I just remember like, this was my, my absolute best friend. This is the guy that I spent every single day with. We hung out, we collected cards, we played basketball, we did everything together, we just enjoyed each other's company. This was my very best friend. And there was this one time that we cut school, and we went to a, a golf course and we played. I know I cut school, it's okay. Uh, it's not okay if you're in school. But I went and we hung out the entire day and we played golf. And what we would do is we would steal the golf. I don't condone stealing. I'm just saying this is what we did, past tense. This is a previous story. And so what we did, we would take the golf, the golf balls and we would steal them. We, I don't know why we did it. I, we just did it, right? We didn't like golf, but we just... Hey, we have nothing to do. Well, back in the day, there was no phones, no tablets, no social media. We got entertained. All right. And so we grabbed them and we would steal them. And I remember on the way home, we, we hopped. And we did a lot of bad stuff. We hopped over the train style because we didn't have Metro cards. And I remember that we got off the train and my older brother was, was, they were pushing each other. And I remember that day because they were kind of playing around with the hands. And my brother was pushing him and he was pushing my brother. And they had their, their chest out and all that. And, and, I, and, and I thought I was big and bad so I was like yo I bet you can't push me like that bro because you know what I'll do right because I know how to fight so I'm like I bet you can't push me like that so he's like please man you know and so we're joking around and we're playing around and we're messing around so he pushes me and I push him back and then and then he gets in my face and I'm like bro you don't want none of this and I push him back and Sal Sanudo father we forgive him right now cocked back his hand and punched me right in the face. <sighs> Hold on a second, I need a moment. <laughs> hey, yo, he, he, he punches me and I'm like in the middle of, what did, like I'm in the middle of like, yo, you just punched me, but you're my best friend. How could you do that to me, right? Like, how, how could you do that to me, right? And, I, and I'm just like, I'm in there and I'm, like, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, 
I'm going to beat this kid up. I'm, I'm going to fight him. But he's my best friend. Like, how could you do this to me? Like, we shared pasta together with the raviolis. Like, we did that together. How could you do that with your Hispanic brother? And I remember we kind of, like, I didn't know what to do, so I kind of swung at him back. And, and one of the other guys like, what are you guys doing fighting? And he pushes me. And when he pushes me, I fall on the floor. And Sal Sanudo, we're praying for you, brother. Sal Sanudo gets on top of me. And he yokes me up. And I'm like, how could you do this to me? And, and I was so disappointed. Like, I couldn't even, I could probably beat the guy up, but I couldn't even get past the thought that my best friend had just disappointed me. He had just punched me in the face. Like, you don't do that to your BFF. Any BFFs know what I'm talking about? You don't do that. And I remember I went home and I was just so depressed. I was so sad. And my father, like a good father, he sat me down and he counseled me and he said, son, he gave me some great advice. He says, son, I was like, you know, my best friend just punched me in the face. He goes, on this earth, you have no friends. Jesus is your only best friend. <laughs> Thanks, dad. Thanks. You know, and the reason I bring up this story is because I want you to understand the context in which we are about to enter into. The conversation that we're about to discuss today is about uh, a situation or a relationship that is all wrapped up in intimate best friend language. We're talking about people, if you want, if you want to consider BFF, people that were actually best friends of Jesus. There is no closer friend and family to Jesus other than these trio, other than this trio, other than these three people, Mary, Martha, and good old Laz. Like there is no closer friendship that Jesus has. Many people believe that Lazarus was actually one of his uh, friends that he grew up with. That they ate together as kids and they were at each other's house and they grew up together and now they remained as very close friends. This was not like a relationship that he had with his disciples. This was not a relationship like that. This was a intimate, personal relationship. This was my BFF. The language the Bible uses is that Jesus loved Lazarus. If you look at John 11, verse 3, it says, Therefore his sisters sent him, saying, Lord, behold, he whom you love is sick. Now, he, she didn't say Lazarus is sick. She knew that, you know, the guy you love so much, I just have to say the guy you love so much. Because the moment I say the guy you love so much, you know I'm talking about your BFF. You know I'm talking about, this is he who I'm talking about. Not only that, but the language, language in verse 5 says, now Jesus loved Martha. It's almost like redundant. Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. Loved Martha, loved her sister and Lazarus. This, this is completely saturated in BFF language. And so if you continue reading in the text, as we pick up in verse 4, it says, When Jesus heard that, he said, This sickness is not unto death, but for the glory of God, that the Son of God may be glorified through it. So when he heard that he was sick, he stayed two more days. Give me something a little bit more. Since, since, since. Don't put me to sleep here, brother. Thank you. <laughs> um, have, you ever, have you ever met a person that didn't understand the concept of time? Like, I, 
I don't know about you, but when I read this, like I love reading the Bible, and when I read this text, it says, when Jesus heard that he said, this sickness is not unto death, but for the glory of God, that the Son of God may be glorified through it. So when he heard he was sick, he stayed two more days. I think it's going to say, when he heard he was sick, he ran to his rescue. When he, right, like I don't know about you, but I was raised in a family that we didn't always see eye to eye, but when we needed each other, we were like Speedy Gonzalez. We were there. We, we didn't play. Like, what? Raul's in jail again? Let's go boil him out. I love you. I'm just kidding. We, this is what we did. We, we, we rushed to the rescue. We didn't play these games because we knew that there was an urgency. But the Bible says that Jesus hears that his BFF is sick. How devastating to know that he hears he's sick and he actually says, ah, you know what, we just got to let it. Ah, he'll get better. It's like, bro, like, do you understand that uh, you need to start making your way there? Like, I love... My, my brothers know that I'm really bad with time, so they'll text me and they'll say, hey, are you on your way? And I'm saying, yeah, I'm on your way. I'm on my way. I'll be there in five minutes. No, they say, no, are you really on your way or are you still in the shower? You got me. You got me. Oh, it's like my wife. I'll be like, baby, we ready to go? She doesn't have her shoes on. She's still putting on her makeup. She's still ironing her hair with metal plates. <laughs> ironing her hair. And I'm like, baby, are you ready to go? She goes, I'm ready to go. This is not what ready to go looks like. And she's like, no, I'm ready to go. And he's like, no. When you put on your shoes and your hair's done and your makeup is done and you got your jacket and you got your bag and you got all the stuff that you need before what, then you are ready to go. Right now you are not ready to go. She could be barefooted. I'm ready to go, baby. Let's go. She could wake up from the bed. You ready to go, baby? I'm ready to go. I'm ready to go. No concept of time. And Jesus, he makes this astonishing claim, but he chills back a little while. And the reason that he chills back and he spends two extra days, unnecessary days, let me add, unnecessary days. He could have just ran to the rescue, but he doesn't do that. He actually says, hold up, I'm, I'm going to let it rock over there. He, he says this claim, he, he says, this sickness will not lead unto death. Jesus makes an astonishing claim. Can I give you spoiler alert? Uh, I don't know if you know this, Jesus, but I think you know the future. And if you know the future, you would understand that, no, this sickness does lead to death. Sorry I spoiled it for you guys. It does lead to death. But what Jesus says, watch this. What Jesus says is, he says, no, what you don't understand is even when it looks like the opposite of what I've declared, the story is not over. See, even, see, many times we associate death as the end, but Jesus says, no, even when it looks like the end, you might be deceived because it is not, thank you, sir. I was roasting up here. And I'm a vegan, so I don't roast well. <laughs> so Jesus sets this expectation. He sets this expectation. He says, this sickness will not. Have you ever preferred not to have an expectation? Let, let me explain what I mean. Like, have you, do you prefer someone 
not to tell you and promise you that they are going to do the dishes before the end of the night rather than tell you they will do it but not fulfill their promise. Hashtag Lisa get over it. Right? Like sometimes I'm like, God, just don't tell me. Don't tell me. Let me live my life and kind of go through the motions and not have this expectancy because I kind of prefer God to go through it rather than have the expectancy of something good happening and then not only deal with the disappointment but also deal with the disappointment of my expectancy. See, because if I expect death and then death comes, it's sad, but I could deal with it. But when you start promising me things over my life, then I start having expectancy. Then I start saying, okay, he's going to do the dishes one day. And my wife tells me, don't tell me, just do it. Any, father, any, any husbands know what I'm talking about. Any men know what I'm talking about. Any sons know what I'm talking about. I look at my man and say, that's me. My mom needs to come to the altar call. <laughs> just because the expectancy creates hope. And if our hope is disappointed, it almost feels like there's no sense of continuing. But I love what Jesus actually declares because what Jesus is saying that even when you see the opposite of what I've declared over your life doesn't mean the end has come. See, I, I think sometimes we have heard prophetic word declared over your life and there's some things that God has shared and there's some promises that you know you have locked up in you there's some things that are unfulfilled in your life and when you look at your current situation you say Jesus you said this sickness will not lead to death but this kind of looks like death to me not only does it look like death it looks like four days of death Anybody been in a four days of death season while God is saying, no, this sickness will not lead unto death? Anybody been in a situation where everything that God declared over your life, you're looking at it and it looks like the opposite of what God has declared over your life? Anybody looked at their kids and it's just like, this doesn't look like what God promised me. But I came to tell you that even when you drive up to the dead end of a situation, God says that if you come to a dead end, it only means where I'm taking you, roads are not needed when you come and you take the elevator to the highest floor and you can't go no more it just means that you're getting ready to fly because what looks like the ending of a situation just means it's the beginning of where I'm taking you if you believe that in this house see there is no dead end I think I think it would be wise that we declare this over our lives that this sickness will not lead to death. This situation will not kill me. See, I, oftentimes we even think about going through it. I'm done with going through it. I've determined in my life that I will not just go through stuff. I will grow through stuff. I, I'm, I'm done going through stuff just to go through them. God, if this happened in my life, it's because I'm not just going to go through it. I'm going to grow through it. Uh, that means that if I'm in this situation, guess what? Uh, your, your, your finances may not look like they're alive and well right now. They might look like they're four days dead. 
Some relationships look like they're four days dead while Jesus is declaring over and whispering in your ear and he's saying, this sickness will not lead to death. Are you kidding me? This looks pretty dead. But he says, this sickness will not lead to death. I promise you, I vow to declare over my family, over my finances, over my home, over my relationships, over my career, over everything that God has surrounded me with. Even when it looks like the opposite of what God has declared over my life, I will declare things that are not as though they were. They might look dead, but I will look at my children and say, you are alive and well. I know you think you got your plans right now I know you think you got your T's crossed and your eyes uh, and your eyes dotted but I want to let you know that you have a purpose you have a calling you have a place in God's kingdom you may look like you're in a tomb right now but my God said Woo! my God said this sickness will not lead to death Woo! give God some praise in the house <laughs> pick up in verse 7 and it says finally he said to his disciples go back to Judea I love this I love this but his disciples objected his disciples objected he said only a few days ago people in Judea were trying to stone you are you going there again oh this is so good this is so good somebody needs to Facebook this right now watch this Jesus replied, there are 12 hours in daylight every day. During the day, people can walk safely and they can see because they have the light of this world. But at night, there is danger of stumbling because they have no light. Then he said to them, our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep. But now, someone shout, but now. But now, someone shout, but now. Say, but now. See, I love this because he says... He says, we're going to go resurrect our friend. We're going to wake up our friend Lazarus. And immediately the disciples are like, ho, 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 chill. Hey, 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 hey. Ojalá que te quedice, my friend. Holy, holy, holy right there. Do you have, excuse me, Jesus. Do you remember last time we went down that road? Do you remember what happened to us? We got stoned. I just want to clarify that stoned means you got hit with rocks. Just in case some of you guys were wondering. <laughs> he said, he said, he said, do you remember that last time we went down that road, Jesus? We got stoned. People took physical rocks and they threw them at our faces. Do you see this face, Jesus? I can have no rocks on this bone structure. They're not compatible. This doesn't work like this, Jesus. This is not good, Jesus. We shouldn't go down that road anymore. And I, and I think this, that's great. That's wisdom. Because you talk to me, I'm like, I'm not going down that strip anymore. I'm not going down that road anymore. Because the last time I went, I went down that road, I almost lost my life. The last time I went down that road, I got hurt. The last time I went down that road, I was in a bad situation. It makes a lot of sense that when you try to do something and it doesn't work out that you find another direction but when you look at Jesus Jesus says hey that was last time but this is this time I think some of you missed that right there <laughs> he said he said that was last time 
but this is this time. Don't let, don't let your failures of the past prevent you from reaching your potential in the future. Don't let your failure of the past prevent you from reaching your fulfillment in the future. See, I think that when we look at Jesus, he's saying, listen, listen, that was last time. But this is this time. Every single one of you have a last time in your life. Maybe you look at relationships and you're like, I'm not doing this again. I'm not going down that road. That, I'm done with this. I, last time, you don't understand, Pastor Rowe. You don't understand the last time that I got into a relationship. You don't understand, Pastor Rowe. The last time I tried to excel. You don't understand, Pastor Rowe. The last time I tried to love someone. Pastor Rowe, you don't even understand, Pastor Rowe. The last time I tried to, to really be there in my children's life, Pastor Rowe. Pastor Rowe, you don't understand. Last time I went down that road, it did not work out for me. Jesus says, that was last time. This is this time. See, because the, the, the most important things in life, the things that have greatest value in life, usually don't take just one time. It takes for you to do them over and over and over. You know how many times I got saved? Play the piano backwards. What's up? Step your game up. <laughs> and I don't really mean God saved. You know how many times I was just like, God. I promise. I promise. I promise, God. This time, God. This time, God. It's for real. This time, God. I promise. It's for real. I threw out everything. I threw out everything. You could bring back your wife. Bring back your wife. Yeah, there she is. I threw out everything, God. It's just me and you, Jesus. Until we give up and we're just like, nah, I'm done with this. I, last time I went down that road. But I think I came to declare to someone prophetically in this hour, that was your last time. But please understand that this time is different. Just because last time you hit rock bottom doesn't mean that this time you cannot place your faith on the rock of ages just because last time you lost it all doesn't mean this time you will not gain double for your trouble just because last time you failed to succeed it does not mean that this time you will be faithful until you succeed see that was last time but God is calling you into a season of this time maybe last time you tried to do church it didn't work out for you I challenge you on this Easter Sunday that it become your this time. That this time, things will be different. See, last time they were throwing stones at Jesus, but this time Jesus was going to roll stones away. Woo! Someone hashtag sermon bars. John chapter 11. It says, now Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you would have been there, See, he says, last time, we're going to go now, but now I come to resurrect this man. And he goes to the place where they are, and they're going to the grave. And Martha comes to Jesus. She comes running to Jesus. And in that moment, she comes and she says, Lord, if you would have been here, my brother would have not died. But even now, whatever you ask, God will give you. 
even now. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. And Martha said, I know. I know he will rise again in the resurrection on the last day. Jesus, oh, he's so awesome. He says, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me, though he may die, he shall live. This is such a depiction of the human condition. Because Jesus, the resurrection and the life, is standing right in front of her. And she, he says, your brother will rise. Watch this, catch this, catch this. Your brother will rise. And, he sa- and, she, and, and she says, yeah, I know. I know he will rise, Jesus, someday. Catch this. I know he will rise someday. Have you ever had the someday syndrome? You ever been intoxicated with the Sunday syndrome? Someday, 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 the resurrection. Just no, you, you don't understand. The resurrection is not a moment. See, many times we're looking for the resurrection someday in our lives. But he goes, the resurrection is not an event. The resurrection is a person. See, oftentimes we're looking at the resurrection in our lives for someday. But he says, you're looking for a moment. I'm asking you to look at your master. (laughs) See, you're looking for a someday. I'm I'm looking at a two-day. Because any day that I am in the present tense, it is your day for your resurrection. (laughs) Oh, my God. See, any day that I'm before your eyes. But what Martha does so often like we do as humans, that Jesus is right in front of our face and we're looking past him. Someday. Someday. Jesus is right in front of your face. He's He says, I am the resurrection and the life. And we're like, yeah, 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 Jesus, someday, someday, yeah, he'll resurrect. He goes, no, I am the resurrection. I am the life. Can I ask you today to be so bold to not look past Jesus another day in your life? Because we're looking past Jesus to find our happiness. We're looking past Jesus to find our fulfillment. We're looking past Jesus to find our purpose. But Jesus says, no, I am your purpose. I am your fulfillment. I am the love that you've been looking for. I am the peace that you that can surpass all understanding. I am everything that you need. Stop looking past me, Martha. I am the resurrection. I am the life. not Sunday. And I think what we do is just looking past Jesus. What, what was she looking for? She was, what did she want? She wanted her brother to rise. Jesus, please, my brother, please, would you resurrect my brother, please? Okay, your brother will rise. And it's in those moments of being an emotional mess and I just I believe in you Jesus but but not right now I believe in you Jesus oh, yeah Jesus is telling you yeah your brother will rise and you're looking past him and so oftentimes in our lives we begin to look past Jesus and Jesus simply becomes an addition to our lives so I've been baking lately I make some mean vegan hash, uh, vegan uh, brownies. I was gonna say hash browns. Brownies, perdón. 
And we say, okay, here's what I need. Okay. I have a recipe to life. And so what I need is, I need a, just a little bit, a cup of my career. There we go. Oof. And you need in a cup of, no, this is sugar. I need agave, agave. So I need a cup of, I need a wife. That's what I need. Maybe better, but I need a wife. That's what we do. All right. I need a little bit of my education. Oh, I need a ride. I need a home. Ooh, this is good. Yeah. I could go both ways. Here we go. Well, some of you taste it with your pinky. Oh. I got my wife, I got my house, I got my car, look at that. Ooh, I got my career. Oh, yes, this is all. Hmm. Hmm. Look at a little bit of Jesus here. Now it's good. Now it's good. Yeah. See, and so often we create the recipe of our life and we just look at Jesus as part of that recipe. See, I need the 20 things to fulfill the fulfillment of life, but Jesus is just, ah, oh, just in a little bit. And, and, and what we do is depending on where you sit at in this relationship with God, some of you use a little bit more salt than others. And some of us use a little bit more Jesus than others. And so we want, okay, I just, well, I think this, this time I need a little bit more Jesus this week. Yeah, just to feel complete, right? Jesus says, stop looking past me. I'm not just an accessory to your life. Can I be honest? Jesus makes a horrible accessory to your life, but he makes a great savior for your life. See, oftentimes, if you think of Jesus as an accessory and you think of Jesus as a piece or uh, an ingredient in your recipe, God is saying, listen, if not, if I am not Lord of all, I am not Lord at all. If I am not first in your life and everything in your life, because you could have everything absent from Jesus and you have nothing, but you could have nothing. But if you have Jesus, you have everything. I wish there was someone here today that would say, no, Jesus is my everything. Jesus is my salt. Jesus is my pepper. Jesus is my flour. Jesus is my eggs. Jesus is everything in the recipe. You can call it out. He is my happiness. He is my joy. He gave me my car. He gave me my career. Without him, I I have nothing. <laughs> Woo! Stop looking past me for fulfillment. Stop looking past me for joy. Stop looking past me for satisfaction. If I am not Lord of all, I am. I'm not Lord at all. How often? Can, am I being real today? So often. I've been guilty of this too. 
I just kind of see Jesus as an addition to my life. I have to continuously soak and steep myself into the reality that Jesus is everything that I am looking for. And if I am not satisfied with him, then I need to remain more, the more uneasy you are with being satisfied with Jesus, the more time you need to spend with him. You don't need your career. I I got all those things, but I I also lost all those things. But I never lost Jesus, and Jesus never lost sight of me. And when you you come down to the fine-tune of anything you need in life, if I have Jesus, baby, I tell my wife all the time, you can't do anything without me. She's like, baby, if I have Jesus, all I need to do is love my Jesus. I'm like, baby, you know you can't live without me. She's like, honey, don't make me disappoint you. I love my, I love you, papi, king. That's what she calls me. She says, I love you. I love me some row. But don't get it twisted. I love Jesus. That makes me more attracted to her. I'm like, baby, stop that. Jesus is my everything. We're done here. The Bible says in verse 34, it says, where have you put the body? He comes to, he makes his greatest declaration. He says, I am the resurrection and the life. He goes, where have you put the body? In other words, where have you put the dead stuff, son? Can I talk to some people here today? I think many times we think that Jesus doesn't want to be associated with our dead stuff. I think many times we kind of hide our death, our death and our dead stuff and kind of lock it away because we just think that Jesus is more interested in the things that we have really nice and polished and are ready for when guests come. We have the the china set and the silverware and we have everything all set. But he says, I want to be in touch with your dead stuff. Show me where you put the dead body. Show me where you put Lazarus. And you're here today, and God is asking you on this Easter, Resurrection Sunday, where have you put, show me, show me the dead stuff in your life. Show me that thing that you have hidden that no one has ever seen. Show me the thoughts that you have, would you bring them to me? See, oftentimes we're like, well, God knows it anyway. No, God wants you to surrender it to him. And the way you surrender it to him is by speaking to him about it. Here it is, God, here's my addiction. Here's my porn addiction, God. Here's my infidelity addiction, God. Here's my self addiction, God. Here's my self-esteem situation, God. Here's my dead stuff. You know. There are some things that I deal with internally that no one knows. Now my wife looks at me sometimes and she's like, baby, what are you thinking about? And what do men always say? Nothing. Can I speak to the men for a second? Hey, you might not feel like you can release this to your wife, but man, you could show your dead stuff to your God. She's got it. Today I'm driving and I'm just like, my heart, my heart, God. I'm addicted to such wrong things. 
And God says, I want to be in tune with that. I want to know what it is you have in that grave that you have been hiding for four days. Show me the dead stuff in your life and see what I can do with it. Show me that anger issue. Show me that self-esteem issue. Show me the dead stuff in your life. Stop hiding it from me. You've hid it from everyone else. You don't need to hide it from me. Show me the dead stuff. And I love it because here Martha, look what the passage says. Martha, watch this. Verse 39, Jesus, show me the dead stuff. They bring him to the tomb. He's ready, he's ready to resurrect anything that's been dead. Just like he is present here today, he's ready to resurrect everything that's been dead. He's, he's here today. He's saying, show me the dead stuff. He comes to the tomb, watch this, please, please catch this. You don't catch anything else, just catch it. He says, Martha, he says, roll the stone aside, Jesus told them. Roll the stone aside. What does the Bible say Martha says? But Martha, the dead man's sister, she what? She protested. Woo! Wait, I don't get it. I don't get it. Because she's the one that wanted to see her brother resurrect. But she's also the one getting in the way of her brother's resurrection. How many times have we wanted God to do something in our lives, but we're the very ones protesting when God is about to do it? I wish someone was hearing me today. See, God is ready to resurrect. He's ready to do what you've been praying for in your, what you've been praying for, God, please, I know. And God is ready to resurrect the dead stuff in your life. And we're the ones, help me, help me, Frank, stand. And we're the ones, no, 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 hold on. Look what he says. The smell is terrible. Jesus, you cannot, I, I, I know I said, I, I know I've been praying about this, God. And I, I know I've been. I know I've been promising you that I'm going to throw everything away, and I know, and God is ready to open up the heavens over your life, and you're like this, God, no. No, 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 God, hold on, hold on. I thought you were kidding when you said you were the resurrection. He says, show me the dead stuff, and I will resurrect it, and God is waiting like he is today, and the only one that can get in the way of that is Sometimes we look at other people and we make excuses for other people. We make excuses for them. Oh, of course, Maylene. Of course, Maylene, you know, she doesn't got it like I do. Of course, she's so good doing announcements and she could do the worship team. And she leads the love team and she gives all her time. Of course. And we make excuses. Of course. The same God that Maylene serves is the same God that is about to resurrect everything that's been dead in your life. Thank you, friend. We're done here. I'm going to do something really silly. So this is the time to get out your cameras on this Easter Sunday. But I want you to catch what I'm about to say. Can you, can you grab this pulpit? Don't judge me. Can I see some smiles? Smiles? 
Help me. Thank you. Just, I want you to, I mean, y'all really got your cameras out. I was just, it's like, we're not missing this, Pastor. But I want you to catch this. Watch this. Because I think that where it all starts is that when we lose sight of Jesus. When Jesus is right in front of your face and you're looking past him. But when you look at Jesus, no harm that can come your way could ever destroy your life. But when you look past Jesus, your life goes along with him. I was training with my younger brother. And this is going to be hard. Before, I want you to get in my guard. Someone help me out. You'll, you'll never see this in another church. You see, one of the things that foe trained me as I'm, as I'm wrestling him is, what do I do here? What do, if I'm trying to hold you down, what do you have to do? You have to what? Your eyes are looking, your body will follow. Say that again, wherever what? Wherever your eyes are looking, your body will follow. All right, I had enough of that. Now, when you pass my guard, when you, when you pass my guard, what do you do here? If you're looking the other way and I could shove your head, what happens? My body can't go that way. But what happens when you start looking the direction where you're going? Your what? Your body follows. Wow. So if I'm holding you down, what do you have to do? Look up. I came to tell someone today that maybe you feel like you're being held down here today. But where your eyes are looking, your body will follow. So I refuse to look past Jesus. We hope you enjoyed this podcast. Our mission here at Christ Uncensored House of Worship is to love God, love people, and love life. Kuhau is a place where our story is still being written. Together, we can do more than we can ever do alone. If this message has encouraged you and you wish to partner with us in taking this message all across the world, Go to kuhau.com slash give or follow us on any social media platform. Thank you in advance for your support and generosity. Come and begin a whole new journey with us.